You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, I think Syracuse football has hit a new rock bottom. We're here to talk about it today. Tim Leonard, Tyler Rocky. I mean, it's. It's like every game at this point, but we will get to the game. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use our promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. You'll get 20% off your next order. You know, Ty, before we get to our our hot takes, our reactions, our when will Dino Babers need to be fired conversation, and just dive into everything that was that massacre against Louisville, I do want to talk briefly about Floyd Little. I saw our pal Matthew Gutierrez tweeted that he is in hospice care now, and obviously he's been battling cancer. I just wanted to send our, our thoughts and prayers out to him, his family, because I think it goes without saying, but the entire Syracuse community really respects Floyd Little and knows what a valuable member he was to the football program and continues to be an awesome ambassador. So just good good wishes to him and his family at this it's time. It's amazing the the outpouring of support you see on social media about just how much he's meant to all these Syracuse fans. He's the nicest guy, most approachable guy. I think I can't remember who who tweeted this out, but and I, I wish I could give credit, but someone said they won some contest and it was a meet and greet with Floyd Little at a football game, and he was kind of like, "Well, what's the point of that? Because every football game is a meet and greet with Floyd Little because he's that approachable, that accessible, <laughs> and that nice." So, yeah, and we had Justin Knight on too. I was gonna a say a couple months yeah. ago, and he spoke very, very highly about what he meant and just the fact that he was so selfless and he took the time out of his day, out of his weeks to help connect with some of these young athletes. And some of them didn't even know, like Justin at the time, didn't right. even know that he was a football player because he never talked about it. He never knew. Yeah, and it's because well, he was that selfless. That's like amazing to me, that story that you you don't know Floyd Little. And I think he even said, Justin, kind of jokingly to you during our interview with him, that he was like, some people might be like, how did you not know about this? But it was just the way he carried himself was so selfless that it made it so hard for him to recognize that. So anyway, best of luck to him and his continued fight there. And I just wanted to send along our wishes. But Let's get into to this game. Uh, Thirty nothing. Louisville just takes it right to him. I, I think I had a little bit of optimism, like cautious optimism, that it was Morgan and it was. And Morgan looked pretty rough. We can talk about it, but it's off a of bye week. Louisville was a bad team too. Louisville had a lot of question marks going into the matchup, and I figured they would cover the nineteen and a half, eighteen and a half. I was dead wrong. This this team just has nothing. <laughs> it was right brutal. Now yeah that's that's the worst offensive game in the Dino era I mean it's not even close when you look at I mean the ground game actually wasn't terrible when you look at Sean Tucker another amazing game for him five almost six yards per carry knocking on the door of 100 once again but I mean the passing game you know, they only threw the ball 12 times and, and part of the reason they only threw the ball 12 times was because they couldn't move the sticks they couldn't get anything time of possession wise I mean this was just an abomination of an offensive display. It was ugly from the get-go. So we were praising Jacoby and Morgan and his pro football focus grades a little bit. As expected, the eye test proved it. The grades proved in this one. 54.1 was his pro football focus grade. But one thing I picked up on, and as I was watching the game, I was kind of thinking, 
The only thing with Morgan is he just never seems to throw the ball downfield. He seems reluctant to do it, and I get it a little bit because he's young, but I went back and he's thrown 50 passes so far this season now. A pretty good sample size at this point. Only 12 of his 50 passes have gone in the air 10 yards or more. Wow. That's kind of concerning to me. And and I know it's like probably a byproduct of the Syracuse offense and the limited offensive line and pass protection, but 38 out of his 50 too. passes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just he doesn't throw the ball downfield at all, and they have no potential vertical passing game since DeVito has left and, and got hurt this season. I mean, that's completely gone. And honestly, that was their only offense, was a rare explosive play to get them down the field. When Eric Dungy was the quarterback, you were getting at least 10 of those a game, at least 12 of those a game. And, and that that's kind of where we've fallen into now. It's You can't move the ball on offense. It's stagnant. It's... You, Pretty much, if you want to, you can just put pressure on him all day on on Morgan. Just load load up the box, let the young kid try to beat you with his arm. That's where we're at right now. I mean, he goes out there again. Not not a a great night for accuracy either. Five of twelve in that regard. He was under pressure. He did have his interception as well. But overall, which was not his fault though. They that was the Taj drop. I mean that yes, Taj mm-hmm. had a bad game again. Yeah, I mean it's it seems like a number of players have checked out, right? Like can we can we admit that as much now? A number of players have checked out. We've gotten yeah, to that except point for Sean Tucker. <laughs> yeah, Sean Tucker. I feel yeah. like is locked in. And listen, I'm not saying I don't think Morgan's checked out. I, I think he's he's doing his best out there. It's just his best is not up to the standard of what we've become accustomed to offensively for this team over the last couple of years. So I also look at this. How does this happen, time of possession wise? I mean, with the amount of turnovers. That Syracuse forced in this game. What did they force? Three turnovers in yeah. this game? A couple All of interceptions in and, and, and a fumble, if I'm remembering correctly. And you log 18 minutes and 14 seconds of possession time. How does that happen? It, it's almost a miracle that this defense held Louisville to 30 points in this game. Because, listen, they played their tails off once again. They had another impressive display. And... and they were moving around defensively. They were causing some havoc, and they're not rewarded on the other side. They're given nothing. The the ball's given back. I mean, Nikeem Johnson, another terrible game for him. He got pulled from from his return duties because he he was coughing up the ball, and it's just gotten to the point now where if you're the defense, you're rolling out there, and you know you're going to be playing forty minutes a night. I mean, you feel like you're you're in a Jim Beheim basketball team right now like you've cracked the the starting lineup for Syracuse basketball with how many minutes a night you're playing yeah I actually thought the linebackers were pretty good Thompson was unbelievable oh he was all over the place yeah yeah and he grades great on pro football focus 87.1 I think that might be the highest individual game grade from a player this season for Syracuse he's now the second highest rated player on the season only behind Iffy with a 79 overall grade on pro football focus this year Mikel Jones another turnover too yeah I mean This defense, that's the bright spot right here. If you're looking for the silver lining, it's Sean Tucker, and then it's the defense, and it's the fact that everyone that we talk about on this podcast on Monday and everyone that we praise is all pretty much underclassmen. And there's a real shot that if everyone comes back on this defense and they get the D-line to buy into that extra year of eligibility, which who knows, and maybe if he does not go to the NFL draft, that could be a question mark, but... If everyone comes back from what they have right now and you have another year in the Tony White system, 
it really could be an outstanding defense next year. It could be one of the best defenses Syracuse has had in a while. And the linebacker group is all young. I mean, like Tyrell Richards is the older guy in that group. He plays eight snaps in this game. It's kind of puzzling. He just hasn't been a factor this year. But you've got Wax and Jones and Canton Arku's been okay at Garrett times. Williams. Oba's I mean, been good. that Garrett yeah, Williams Garrett again. play, the, the interception that he had is in the Dino era. And I'm trying to, to think back through my, my brief memory flashes here, but is that the most impressive play you've seen athletically out of a Syracuse player? I, it's in contention right now with me, with the Eric Dungy just drop kicking the Miami player. Like that, that's <laughs> yeah. where we're at right now. I mean, that was unbelievable. He high points that ball, tips it up to himself, and reels it in. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It's up there, right? And did you see his dad's reaction? The video he caught on it on Twitter film. Yeah, he caught the whole yeah, thing on film. Awesome. Good for him. Yeah, and there were actually some fans in the stadium there. I, I mean, the defense, it, it's looking good. And it's not going to be like an incredible defense next year, but if the, the defensive Listen, line the defense doesn't can get only push. be as good as the offense in, in a in Yeah, that's the guard. problem. Like, the, right. if the offense is average, we're not even asking for what we saw two, three years ago. If this offense is average, this team's going to wake up and win six football games. Like, yeah. like that's how it is right now. Okay, quick break. want to tell you guys about my favorite beer. That's Coors Light. Ever feel like you're just always on the clock these days? 24-7, it is go, go, go. Hustle and bustle. You can't escape it. Well, make sure you take some time to hit the reset button and just unwind a little bit. And when you do that, there's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport is on this fall, Saturdays are your time to chill. And when you're watching sports, it's therapeutic to fans. It's uninterrupted me time, an excuse to chill and drink beer. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink beer. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, we're back and again some more football talk in just a little bit. But just a heads up before we do that, we do have a very special guest the next two days on the podcast. John Wallace, the Syracuse legend, joins us for a two-part conversation that's dropping Tuesday and Wednesday. So be on the lookout for that. So they're 0 for 9 on third downs. And I saw David Hale posted a stat out on Twitter. Syracuse is currently converting. This was during the game, so maybe it's even dropped a little bit. But he said at the time, 22.2% of its third down tries this season. No FBS team has finished a year with a lower rate since Syracuse in 2005, 20.6%. Tougher schedule this year, probably. And... I mean, we can go down the list of the excuses, but I think we all that like everyone that's listening to this podcast understands that this has been a tough year and they're behind the eight ball in a lot of regards. Losing 30 nothing to a team that's two and six and has also got a lot of injury COVID concerns. It's just unacceptable, though. And I don't I don't care how many excuses, injuries. And I don't like hearing from the head coach afterwards and he didn't necessarily point to excuses in this game, but I tweeted out during the game, I wanted Dino to come out in this press conference and literally give us an apology. Yeah. I feel like we were owed that. And I, I think a what lot of What did he people, do during the bye week? 
Like, was this was this pumpkin picking? Was this setting up the Christmas lights? Was it apple picking? Like, what did he do during the bye week? How can you come yeah. out of a bye week and put up a zero? I don't care. And if by you have the a way, he always sucks out of bye weeks. Yeah, like it's it's getting concerning, and that's a that goes back to coaching. Just like the penalties, the penalties drive me up the wall because that's just coaching. I I don't care. You can say we don't have enough talent out there. That's true, but you know what? They could maximize the talent better, and they could get it so it's at least respectable in a Friday night primetime game against another team that's having a terrible year. I mean, there's no no way they should lose that game 30 nothing. And I know it's like, however you lose by, it doesn't really matter. Like They still have one win this season. That's unacceptable, too. I get all the problems they've had. I just want Dino to address that regardless of the problems, this is unacceptable. And he has done that a little bit, but I'd like to see it a little bit more. And even going back to last year, I wanted him to do that because the expectations were high and they severely underwhelmed last year. And he just come in there, same same sort of spiel, every press conference. Our young men are hurting and and go into his like... If I hear that one more better. time, it's going to drive me up a wall. going to drive yeah, me up a wall. It's frustrating. You can predict his press conferences before they happen. Right. It, it's it, There needs to be accountability in this program. Right now, there is none. There is absolutely none. And I'm not, I'm not one to say, all right, it's time to clean house for everyone except for Tony White. But we're creeping closer and closer to that day. Yeah, I mean, like, at this point, where do you stand with Sterling Gilbert? Because I'm trying to wrap my head around it, and a lot of people were out there during the game on Twitter saying it might be time to move on. If if you're going to, like, defend him at this point, it, it's a hard case. I, I'm not really totally there, maybe, but I'm also, like, still going to evaluate these last couple games, and if it does not get better, I might be there. I mean, he's... He's been a total zero this year, and it's really discouraging. Well, I won't say a total zero. The, the rushing game has been a lot better than I think you or I expected. I think he's maximized the rushing game. But outside of that, the passing game, and for a guy who's supposed to come in and, and be this offensive guru alongside Dino Babers, I mean, it, it's been a train wreck. Absolute train wreck offensively. I mean, the rushing game's great and all, but that means nothing if you can't complement it with the pass in 2020. You, you just can't win football games strictly on the ground these days. Yeah, I don't know if you saw, but Damian Rhodes, the former running back, was on Twitter, and he was pretty active, and kind of interesting to get his takes on just sort of going at the program a little bit. He, he a couple There's times a lot of players that are doing this yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the a couple that are doing it, I'm sure a lot more thinking it as well, and maybe wouldn't publicly do it, but I liked hearing his sort of perspective on it. He had one tweet that really got my attention. He said, I feel like I'm on repeat, but when your line is bad, don't leave him in the pocket. Roll him out so so that he doesn't have so that doesn't happen. I mean, come on, protect your kids, damn, is what Damian Rhodes said. That's where like that's the biggest thing I'm frustrated with in Gilbert, is it just feels like there's no adjustments and there's no trickeration. There's it's just a very simple, predictable offense week in and week out. And I get the talent makes it easier on him, and they don't have much talent out there. But it's run up the middle, run off the right tackle, and then, you know, they have to throw on third down. And that's why the third down percentage is so low, because he's staying in the pocket, and they're just coming on a blitz, the, whoever's going against Syracuse at this point. it's It's gotten really bad, and really out of hand. And there's just, it, you know what's frustrating? Here's the frustrating part is you see Sean Lewis go out there 
and put up almost 70 points on a Wednesday night. Like, that used to be at Syracuse, where you were expecting 35 to 40 points. It was only a matter of fact of whether or not your defense was going to hold the opponent under 40 points. So, where did that go? Like, Sean Lewis's Kent State team right now, they're beating this team by three-plus touchdowns. Yeah. It's it will not be so close sad. from the jump. Yeah. It's and Sean Lewis, the former offensive coordinator for Syracuse, he was dynamic in recruiting. He was dynamic in play calling. He was dynamic in just making sure this offense went. And now this is where we're at. Isn't that amazing? It's it's a drop off of two years, and this is where we're at. I think I have seen enough of Cav, the offensive line coach, though. Like I would be totally for moving on from him in the offseason where, yeah. where do you stand with him there there's a lot of guys that need to go on yeah this offense. I, mean, I mean really you i would say defensive staff congrats you can you can keep your jobs but offensively you, you're all getting an evaluation at the end of the the year like, like yeah who, what position group i'll say running back has has taken a step up but what position group has significantly gotten better over the last two years not even so difficult you know let's just say what position group has stagnated and gone from from A to A over the last two years? Uh, defensive backs, but we're talking offense. I'm talking right? offense, yeah. Yeah, nothing. They've all gone down severely. At quarterbacks, wide receivers, wide receiver. In this game, Quilly was decent, but he's never going to be like some you know, prized guy. I I don't really see him developing into anything more than like a little bit better than what he is right now. And maybe that's sort of a hot take. I just, I think he's going to be a steady possession receiver for you. Taj, I continue to just be underwhelmed with Clark kind of locked him up in this game for Louisville. He gets three targets. He has that costly drop and you know, he makes the drop. It's like, if it was Taj, Morgan would have been throwing his helmet and yelling at him on the bench. Like that's the thing that bothers me about Taj is he's going into those temper tantrums on the bench and he he's making mistakes too. I mean, it's not like he's perfect out there and no one is, but be a better teammate because you're going to make mistakes as well. And you want your teammates to have faith in you. And that, that might be a thing too, where Morgan is the freshman. Is he going to do that to an upperclassman like Taj Harris? Like, is he going to go no. out there? Like, it's not going to happen. So, but he's just a good teammate. I mean, right. no one does No, no, no. Taj, Listen, I'm really. not standing up for, for Taj and, and the antics that he'll pull on the sidelines. But I think you're right. It, w- it would have been warranted there. That would have been a complete unseeming of the team there, though. Like, the season, well, the season's been over. But the yeah. the program is lost if that had happened. Right. And then the other thing is the tight end production. I mean, it's. Uh, do we even have to say it at this point? Like, there's there's been 12 catches combined from the tight end position this entire season. I thought going into the season, it was realistic to expect 12 catches in a single game, maybe. Hackett has eight catches. Benson has four catches, by my count, this season. Like, that wouldn't have shocked me if I saw that in a game log or if we were doing over-unders on tight end catches in game one, I probably would have set it at, like, seven or eight. And they've gotten to 12 in nine games so far. And again, that was one of the big problems that a lot of people had with Sterling Gilbert is they saw when he was at McNeese State, the tight end is not a position he's used. It just hasn't been. And we're seeing it once again rear its ugly head because you need tight ends in today's age. 
I mean, think about how Syracuse was very, very good with Ravion Pierce. Ravion Pierce was an absolute weapon in the red zone. Now you're moving into, you've got weapons. I mean, I think Aaron Hackett's a fine player. I think Luke Benson's an extremely talented player, but you're not utilizing them. I mean, you're not utilizing, well, first of all, you got to get to the red zone to use your best red zone targets. That's hurdle A that you got to jump over here uh, with a guy like Aaron Hackett. And B, why not let your athletes go out and make some plays? Like, that's what you should be doing with Aaron or with uh, Luke Benson and with Taj Harris. Let your athletes go make plays. And we just haven't seen, I mean, six receptions for Syracuse receivers in this game. How is that acceptable? (laughs) Six total receptions. I mean, they almost didn't get to 100 total yards of offense. I think it was 125 is what they finished the game at. I'm seeing I was tracking it. 37. Okay. I'm just doing a rough count here. But yeah, no, I mean, that doesn't make the number better. And that was a couple Sean Tucker runs in the fourth quarter when the game was over. That I'm not saying like it should count. It's just they they were at 90 yards of total offense midway through the fourth quarter, and I looked it up and was like, when's the last time they've been held under 100? And it was an Iowa game in 1976. And they basically were held under 100. I mean, they, they got the garbage time points and garbage time yards a little bit, and that benefited them. But they had like 90 at the half, and then they had nothing in the third quarter. And when it was 30 nothing, they tacked on a couple yards in those final couple drives. It's embarrassing. I mean, I, I we put out the poll, are you watching on Friday? And it finished 84 to 16 in favor of, yes, you're watching on Friday. G- give me a reason why you're going to watch next week. Seriously. There is zero incentive to watch and this And Notre Dame, right too. That's yeah. going to be... It, it's I mean, ugly. We were joking about ugly. the spread. Real quick, got to tell you about the best protein bar on the market. That, of course, is Built Bar. With new flavors seemingly coming out all the time, including one of my new favorites is the caramel brownie and the cookies and cream, both of which I recently got through Built Bar. They are awesome. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to choose. And the best part of all of this is that even though it tastes like a candy bar, they are healthy for you. They're perfect if you're trying to maintain weight, lose weight, whatever. Built Bar is the way to go. Just take the peanut butter brownie for a second here. 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. That's what you're getting with Built Bar. You're getting a delicious reward for your workout while also making a super healthy choice as well. And right now, Built Bar, a new offer for you here for fans of the Locked On Syracuse podcast and the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get 20% off your next order. BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, and you will get 20% off your next order. So we also put out a poll, where are you at with Dino Babers? And I think it's interesting the response we got to this one. I gave four options on Twitter. The first option, fire Dino tomorrow. We got one funny response. Someone said, I'd fire him before he even got to the plane. I think it was Doc who responded on Twitter. Shout out all right, to we're, we're not was... giving him the, the Harbaugh treatment, all right? Right. But... <laughs> he, that, that wasn't a tarmac game for him. Yeah, but but hey, I thought it was funny. And then uh, second one was bowl or fire or make it to a bowl or you fire him next year. Third potential response, two years and then it's decision time. And then the fourth response that you could pick, still believe in Dino. So 
the percentages I have here, basically an even split. Fire Dino tomorrow, 29%, 30% if you round up. Bull or you fire him next year, 35%. That took the cake as the majority. Two years and then it's decision time, 21%. And still believe in Dino is 14%. I, I thought it would be a little bit more just because of like the recency bias of the game and having it fresh and the, the heartbreak of it. But I, I think that's pretty fair and... And honestly, kind of where I'm at, I mean, what would you say is like the the benchmark that he has to get to wins wise in order to remain the head coach after next season? Well, first of all, I'd love to meet the 35 percent that A, still have faith and B, are giving it two years. So I'll leave that. It's for starters. But yeah, on top of that, I'm in the camp of let's let next year play out and go from there, because what you see right now on the field will hopefully get better when the quarterback situation is healthier, whoever it may be. And on top of that, I, I just don't, I like, I want to see the, the recruiting class come in. I want to see the defense be given a chance to blossom. I want to see the offensive line be given another year together because even this year, I think we've seen them make some strides. I think Chris Elmore has been a lot better on offensive line than both you and I thought he has made probably the biggest improvement of any player on Syracuse this year on the I offensive side of the ball. I thought Dakota Davis looked good too. Yeah, he was solid too. There. So I'm I'm at the let let the bowl or it, you have to get to a bowl game next year. Next year is bowl game or bust. And, and this year the bowl game doesn't count. We we don't hand out stickers and lollipops for a one in ten season. Okay, we're not doing that. So when I evaluate what Dino Babers' leash is right now, again. He's not going to get fired at the end of this year unless something off the field happens. And I don't think that's going to happen. I hope something like that doesn't happen. So it comes down to right now for me, what's going to happen next year? Can he get this team to six wins? I don't want to see a, a five and seven APR bowl. I want to see a firm six, seven win team bowl. It's kind of tough to put a win number on it, I think, because... A, we don't really know if it's going to be just a normal season with a full non-conference schedule next year. And and then B, like stuff can happen. Injuries can happen during the year, and I know that happened this year. What I just want to see is is significant improvement. I, I think I'm with you. Like bowl game or bust is what I would answer at this point. And if it's not a bowl game, then that makes five of six years where he has not made a bowl. I don't care what level of job you're going into, what the position was when you got there. That's just unacceptable. You have to get to a bowl game at least twice in six years to keep yes. your job. That's, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, at, at a power five minimum. institution, yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, I'm with you. I think it's bowl game or bust. But more than anything, I just want to see the offense look like what we saw the offense be at times with Dungy in the first couple years. Because... I mean, it wasn't that long ago. At the start of the Dino era, it was, we're going to score 40 points, and we're going to be fun to watch at the very least. And because we're going to score, we're a threat to win each game, and we can beat some of these teams. Now, I mean, they got down 13 nothing to Louisville, a 2-6 and six team with a bad defense. And I was like, this game's a wrap. There's no shot they're coming back. And that's pathetic. If, if you're at that stage, there needs to be significant improvement next year. And there should be, like you said, because of some players coming back, and hopefully DeVito comes back and he's healthy and he's a little bit better. I You need to show me offensive improvement more than anything. 
and just like a better brand of football. Because even if it's a five-win season, but they look a lot better, at least then you're sort of building towards something, and you can see the seeds. Right now, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, and there's no reason for us to be like, yep, Dino's the guy, he's proven it to us, and what he's putting out there looks good. Because, as I said, there's a lot of tendencies on this team that just go back to bad coaching. The penalties is is really the one that bugs me the most. Well, and, and you're the head coach of a team that hasn't been getting top 40 recruiting classes. Now, I get that there are struggles to recruit for Syracuse because of the location, the geography, the weather, and, and just the talent pool that is within the, the close areas and the close states. But the the excuses have to stop at some point. And I look at this team, and if Dino's... If Dino goes out and gets you a, a five and seven season next year, assuming all things are back to normal next year, five and seven next year, and he doesn't pull in a top forty-five, top forty recruiting class, seriously, w- w- what's your incentive to bring him back? He he hasn't delivered in recruiting, he hasn't delivered in the winning column, and the program is no better than it was under Scott Schaefer. It really isn't. It, 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 you're seeing more shades of the Greg Robinson era than you are of Scott Schaefer's era right now with Syracuse football. I went back, I think I sent you this, but, you know, we used to work for Orange Fizz on Twitter and and used to do some tweeting for them and writing for them. And I went back and looked at a tweet that I sent out because I just had it fresh in my mind when we were, I was covering the Camping World Bowl in 2018. I tweeted out basically a list of guys that were coming back and had multiple years left. And it was like Nikeem Johnson, DeVito, Tristan Jackson, Abdul Adams, because at the time, you know, we thought he was going to be big because he just had the camping world touchdown. Same with Tristan. And they hadn't really played a season yet. There were a couple other guys that I'm probably forgetting, but like Trill, Cisco. And I guess it panned out that maybe they left a little bit earlier than we thought. But basically my tweet was just like, boasting about all this young talent they have and then me saying at the end like the future is bright and it's almost laughable to think about yeah i mean it's like old takes exposed and there were like 300 likes on that tweet and everyone was like the dino train and it's just a fascinating thing to look back on because i even noticed that it was some of the same people that were tweeting at us at locked on syracuse and saying like dino needs to be fired and i'm not like calling anyone out because I'm doing the same thing. Yes, I said the mm-hmm. future was we are bright. both in this. And, listen, there's nothing wrong with being flexible. We have to stop yeah. criticizing being flexible and, and changing our opinions based on circumstance. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a, an amazing free fall that we have witnessed because after that Camping World Bowl game, every Syracuse fan had every right to brag to their friends and talk about how Dino Babers is the second coming and. He's the guy that's going to return this program to its glory days. And it made perfect sense. And now here we are literally like less than two seasons later. And we're talking about, he would, I mean, we're talking about it's unacceptable what he's doing. And if there wasn't this buyout, we'd probably want to, can- I mean, I'll speak for myself. Like the buyout to me is a big deal. And I don't think you can ever ignore that. Some people will say, well, you're a power five program. Just pay the money and, and get on with it. You can't do it right now in these times. Like You have to give him another year, and we'll see what happens next year. But I'm at the point now where it seems very likely that Dino is not going to end his Syracuse career on a good note. Like He's he's probably going to get fired at this point. At yeah, some point. It's just when what happened. And this goes back to one of the questions that we've kind of addressed 
throughout this season is, is Dino Babers' time at Syracuse more likely to end with him getting fired or him taking another job? And each day, each time they roll the, the troops out there onto the battlefield, we're, we take one, we're moving the game piece one step closer towards the, the finish line being fired, not taking another job. Yeah. So since that Campion World Bowl, I, I crunched some numbers against Power 5 teams in the past two seasons, 3-15 and 15 overall, minus 226 point differential. And that doesn't even include the Liberty game that wow. they lost. But, I mean, they basically only won against Duke, Georgia Tech, and the Wake Forest game last year. And then you had like a Western Michigan win and a Holy Cross win, and I, I might be forgetting one other. But they've had eight 20-point losses in the past two seasons, and they're 3-14 and 14 in ACC play to this point since the Camping World Bowl. Wow. I mean, it, the free fall has just... It, it takes a little bit to settle in, too. Yeah. Just how far... I mean, this was a 10-3 and 3 team. The You thought everything was going to get better, right? You thought, okay, the quarterback situation is somehow going to get better from the guy who is one of the greatest quarterbacks in program history. You, you thought the receiver situation was going to get even better with Tristan, with the a budding star in Taj Harris. You thought that was going to get even better. The defense was going to get even better, and it has. But that's the only part of this entire equation that's delivered. And even there, you've seen some of the branches fall off the tree because of injuries, because of the fact that they, in essence, were too successful, like an Andre Sisco and a Trill Williams, because they were so good that they can opt early and, and go to the NFL draft and stuff like that. And the injuries, of course, play a giant role in all of this, but the offensive line has struggled. They have not gotten better from that time. And a lot of this falls on recruiting. You should have seen the the places that you were strong in 2017 or 2018. And you should have been building around that and trying to, to revamp everything so that you could sustain that success. Build it around the offensive line because they were very, very solid that year. Build it around the quarterback position because that that's where you found a lot of success. The defensive line was, was phenomenal that year. You had multiple guys with 10-plus sacks with Kendall Coleman yeah. and Alton Robinson. And the, the defensive line has not improved one bit. And, and the quarterback play has been atrocious, as has the offensive line. Right. All right, well, I feel like I just vented for like 30 minutes, and I, I hope people found this noteworthy. I mean, I... I I feel like we're we're bringing up good points here, and we don't want to be the people that get on here and just talk negatively about things, but that's the state of it right now, and that's just honestly how I feel, and yeah. Any more football thoughts from you before we, we get out of here? My parting football thought is that basketball is four days away. Yes. <laughs> the Bryant game is, is going to happen, it looks like. I think John Rothstein tweeted it out that, the quarantine is over. Syracuse should be all good for Bryant. That's 3 p.m. Friday, so we'll get you previewed for that game. Probably drop that Thursday around noon on Thanksgiving Day and uh, get get our full recap on sort of what that matchup will bring. And then also we'll do our full basketball preview show and our predictions on the season. Will they make the tournament? ACC standings, where will they finish? All that good stuff probably on our Wednesday show or maybe I guess our Thursday show. Thursday show, show yeah. Yeah, it's tough Just to keep track. Pie and because... preview. Pie and preview. That's that's what your yes. Thanksgiving can look like. <laughs> right. But the uh, the next two days, we've got an awesome interview for you guys. John Wallace, the Syracuse legend, joined us over the weekend. And 
I mean, is it the best interview we've done, Ty? Is that fair to say? I don't want to set unrealistic expectations. That's true. It's good though. But it's very. He's got great stories. Yeah, it's one of the best, if not the best. Yes. Right. So that is a two-part interview dropping tomorrow and Wednesday. So subscribe now for that. You'll get it directly into your preferred podcast feed, whichever one it is, right in the morning when we drop it. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. We'll be back later on in the week getting you guys wrapped. I mean, we'll be here tomorrow talking with John Wallace and Wednesday, but we'll, we'll be just us two later on to get you guys set for basketball later in the week. But enjoy John Wallace tomorrow, and we'll talk to you guys then. 